All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bringing the Modern Mastectomy podcast. This is episode seven, and it has been a while. Uh, you know, we had some some life stuff going on. Jen started a new job. I did. So, uh, so yeah, sorry, uh, sorry for the long layover here, but uh, now we're jumping right back into it. So I believe last time we left off with um, us walking out of your infectious disease appointment. So. Yeah. So um, just to recap, um, just because it's been a while, um, you know, we did go to the infectious disease thinking that I had Lyme disease and it ended up not being Lyme. Um, according to my skin biopsy, it was some sort of um, allergic reaction to something. Um, we have a really good idea, really high possibility that it was my breast implants that were um, causing my body to react the way it was. Um, so we left off um, by the infectious disease doctor saying to... Um, get them out as soon as possible. Um, you know, they're not supposed to be there. Obviously, um, I had to stay on prednisone. I had, well, was self-medicating myself um, with prednisone just to control the flare-ups so I wouldn't have any flare-ups. And then I would um, go see my plastic surgeon from here and talk to her about getting the implants removed. And funny, um, I don't think I mentioned this before. I think I briefly mentioned it about um, before all this had happened or when my symptoms first started and I didn't think or had no idea that this would be my implants. I did end up getting a letter in the mail from the company Allergan, which is the brand that makes my implants. And they had informed me that the implants that I have are recalled for causing lymphoma and to make an appointment with my plastic surgeon just to kind of talk to her about it and kind of see where it goes, like where to go from there, um, if we had um, to make any changes or just to talk to her about it, just to kind of see what the next step was and all that stuff. So not even thinking, um, you know, I, I, I just so happened to have an appointment a couple days after this appointment with the infectious disease doctor with the plastic surgeon. Yeah. And so, I mean, we were thinking at this point anyway, after the infectious disease consult, uh, yeah, time to, to yank those suckers, for yeah. lack of a better term. Um, I think, at least for myself, I had that mindset anyway. As soon as I found out they were recalled, like, nope, I don't need to be there anymore. Like, we didn't, we went through this whole thing. Well, we, I say we, you went through this whole thing to, to reduce the risk of getting any sort of cancer. And then now these are correlated to an increased risk of getting a certain type of cancer, like, nah, like, cool, see you, goodbye. Yeah, so um, I just wanted to kind of go over kind of like the emotional aspect of it, like how I processed, um, you know, what was going on. Obviously, um, I was somewhat relieved because we had a logical answer or possible answer at this point. 
So, um, and I have like a really credible, like very smart, very experienced doctor telling me this information. Also very well respected. Absolutely. And so I trust him and I trusted what he had to say in his suggestion. So, um, so when I got out of the appointment, obviously, like I was like, oh my God, like we have somewhat of an answer. This is great. But, um, I got into the car and, of course, just a flood of emotions just came over me and I couldn't help but bawl my eyes out. And, um, you know, I, I was just like frustrated. I, w- I just had a lot of emotions. I was relieved, but I was frustrated. I was thinking, you know, I went through all this for nothing. I went through the double mastectomy. I made a whole YouTube channel about my journey and and um, talking about the implants and how I recommended them and how, you know, of a supporter of this surgery I was. But now I feel like all the tables were turned and everything was just playing against me. Um... I obviously came home and I, you know, talked to family. I talked to my friends. I let them know kind of what was going on. Um, I was public about what was going on, you know, throughout my whole sickness um, on Facebook. So I ended up doing kind of like a Facebook Live just to kind of update people and look for that support. And um, it's great that I got you know, so many nice comments and it was actually, uh, I remember one of my friends called me and he said, are you watching your wife's Facebook live? I said, no, she's downstairs. I'm upstairs. I'm listening to it. And he goes, dude, there's like a hundred people watching it. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. It um, was insane because this has been going on for four or five months and everyone was stumped and I was so sick and it was scary. It was very scary. So I want to, you know, if you were one of those people watching or just listening to my story or reached out to me, I just want to thank you so much because you don't understand how much, you know, a message or a comment or even like pushing the like button on any of my posts during that time really helped me get through this really tough time in my life. Um, so, when I got home and kind of everything was said and done, um, I felt like I had to just process everything on my own. Um, by doing this, I just needed, you know, sometimes you just need to be alone. You need to think. And I would, I found myself like isolating myself. I would stay up really late when others, you know, would go to bed. My husband would go to bed. The baby would sleep. Um, I would stay up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning just thinking. And or, you know, just to get away from everything, I would go in the shower and I wouldn't even, like, wash my hair or anything. I would just literally stand there underneath the running water just thinking to myself. And a lot of things were going through my head at the time. Um you know, I was just like confused and I was frustrated and, um, you know, in my head I was like fighting against myself because I was like, Jen, like you need to go through this surgery because 
you know, your health is more important. You need to function. You need to be able to be a mom. You need to take care of your daughter. But at the same time, I felt so scared and I was thinking, well, what if this isn't the answer and I go through this surgery for nothing? Well, I think too, and you talked to me about that, uh, you, you wouldn't have gone through it for nothing. You know, for, for our reasoning was, you know, there was a recall, like these need to come out anyway. Mm-hmm. If it is the answer, that's a, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the answer, then we'll keep looking. Right. Um, but they need to come out. That's period. right. I forgot about that. You did say, even if these aren't causing your symptoms, they're still recalled for lymphoma. Yeah, like these, these guys still need to like not be inside of yeah. your body. Yeah. So that kind of made me feel like, I'm making the right decision no matter what. Yeah, and and I think too, for the most part, at this point, we had tried everything. Like, okay, it's not, insert anything here. Literally Um, everything. Yeah, well, at least anything as far as, you know, when we we met with the infectious disease doctor and he's talking about your your biopsy showing uh, a type of like allergy. And we're like, okay, so I tried changing like it it was just so all over the place that it it didn't seem like it was an allergy to anything external right um because there wasn't it wasn't a certain like it wasn't after you ate or it wasn't you know when you wore certain clothes so you know because i tried changing the laundry detergent i tried we tried everything i tried all of that um so i was like look if it's gonna be anything it's probably these things yeah so, plus, they got to come out anyway. So, you're really not going through this for nothing. Even if it isn't the cause of all these symptoms, you know, it, it's a bonus if it is. Because then we're going to nip two, two things in the bud at once. But, right. But, right. yeah. Um, so, obviously, like, I was going through, like, this, I, I don't want to say, like, grieving process. But I was, like, really stressed out. I was just in my head um I remember just one day I was in the shower and I was just thinking and I was just trying to like fight off those negative like thoughts in my head of the what ifs like what if this isn't what if this isn't this isn't the answer or um you know, what if you're doing this for nothing? Like, what are you going to look like afterwards? And I was just trying to like picture myself like, oh my God, like I'm not going to have anything on my chest. I'm going to be completely flat. And I was just trying to like visualize myself like in the mirror, like how I was going to look. And that scared me. Um, Part of me, I would give myself like pep talks, like Jen, you're doing this for your health. You're doing this for your family. You need to be healthy. Your health is more important, like I said before. But I kept going back and forth, back and forth. And I was just so confused. And I remember, like, it, I got, like, so emotionally low that I think you would remember. I was, like, in the shower sobbing. I was literally curled up in a little ball just sobbing. And you heard me and you came in, you were like, oh my God, what's the matter? And I was just scared. And sometimes you just need to like let it out, let all your feelings out. And then you have to rationalize, well, 
what's the bigger picture here? Yeah, and I think that was when we had the pep talk of, like, you need to be able to function. Yeah. Like, boobs or no boobs, it doesn't matter if you can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if these symptoms are so bad that you cannot live a normal life, I don't care what you look like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah that it was... Puts, it puts everything... You put everything in perspective as in the bigger picture. Yeah. So that really helped. But, um, you know, during this time, obviously, like, you know, my friends, my family, they were there for me, um, supporting me, like reaching out to me, which was great. But, um, you know, since we thought it was the implants, I decided to do some more research. And I know that um, I've been seeing what's called breast implant illness on the news um, really haven't been paying attention to it because I was like, whatever, like, you know, I would see it. I'm not having any symptoms, like, whatever. I'm just going to forget about it. Never really paid attention to it. Um, but the more I researched breast implant illness, the symptoms were pretty similar to the symptoms I was having. So um, I was actually reading an article, and someone had mentioned – the, a Facebook group called Breast Implant Illness Healing by Nicole. And it's a pretty popular Facebook group about um, all these women. There's like over 100,000 women in the group suffering from this illness and having all these symptoms and how, you know, doctors don't believe them and it's not a legit diagnosis, so there's no... Um, you know, definitive way of diagnosing it. It's just kind of like you have to take them out and see if your symptoms resolve. So um, I said, you know, why not? These people will understand what I'm going through firsthand. So um, I actually did a post. I posted some of the pictures of, you know, my hives that I was having, my legs looking bruised and mottled, um, just the swelling of my face and all of the pictures that are terrifying to look at and just a background of my story and what I've been going through and people were so supportive and I was like, oh my God, I had like over 2,000 likes on the post and over 500 comments on it in that group of people saying oh my god I have the same thing oh my god they're you know these implants have to come out ASAP and you know that was just that extra type of support um it just gave me more of a comfort and a peace in my decision because obviously if I get the implants removed like there's nothing left I'm gonna have to just go flat and just have the two scars across my chest so um, that made it easier to really just cope with and just um, make me more at peace with my decision of what I wanted to do so um, before there was a couple days in between my appointment with the infectious disease doctor and the plastic surgeon so um i was on the prednisone but i was still actively having symptoms i was having flare-ups um obviously the prednisone was acting as a band-aid at this point it wasn't it was just masking everything 
and it got so bad that I literally thought I was dying. Like, I remember um, I woke up one morning and Kevin was out in the living room with the baby and I got up to go to the bathroom and I literally couldn't move my body. I, again, it felt like I had like arthritis all over my body. My heart started racing. I was having heart palpitations um, and just the pain all over my body was just horrific. Um, I had swelling in my joints like I was definitely having another flare-up and I just had to get through it just wait and I literally thought that my heart was going to give out because I was having the heart palpitations and um, I literally thought I was going to die like I was laying there reflecting on my life like I can get emotional right now because it's like really sad that you have to be in that place but I was um reflecting back on my life saying this is it like I'm gonna lay here I I I thought I was going to die and I didn't want to be alone and I remember saying to Kevin please can you not leave me alone I, I'm scared and he said well you know I said I'm scared I'm going to die and obviously you know he was trying to calm me down <laughs> and he's like you're not going to die you're going to be fine and and he's like you know the baby's out there I really have to go with her and I even said you know well if you can't stay with me if you can have one of the dogs stay with me at least if something happens I won't be alone So, sorry I'm getting emotional, guys, but, like, this is a really hard, hard to talk about because... I believe it was also at that point in time that I, like, picked you up out of bed. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, no, you're going to come out in the living room with us. Yeah. I I try not to get emotional, but, like, usually, like, I'm okay talking about it. But um, it just brings back really bad memories and like it, it's it, it's really unfortunate and it really is this illness is so debilitating. Like it's sorry. Um, so finally, I you know the day of the plastic surgeon. Um, appointment comes and obviously like I'm still having symptoms um I had my mom drive me because like I wasn't in in any shape to drive and obviously like she was going with me for um you know just for support and you know just to be there with me and um I was so nervous because I was thinking the whole time like these people are never going to believe me and I just was like, these people are going to think I'm crazy. Um, They think I'm just coming in to talk about a recall of my implants. And I'm just going to like let out this whole like mess of stuff. And just they're going to be like, what is going on? So going into the appointment, I was really, really nervous. Yeah. But I also think I told you like, because you were actually debating about not, not even telling them, just saying take them out. 
Yeah. It was like, no, you need to tell them because they need to hear it. Yeah. Whether or not they believe that your symptoms are a product of, you know, your, your breast implants um, is, is a moot point. Like, they need to come out. It's your prerogative. They're your implants. You yeah. can have them taken out whenever you want, especially if there's a recall. Exactly. And I think that was actually wor- working in my favor. Um, so I went in there, you know, just told them my story and told them about how all the symptoms I was having over the past four to five months and told them, you know, all the testing I had done. And obviously I was very emotional, um, during this time cause I'm literally so sick and, you know, just reliving, um, the pain and the struggles that I've been through with no answers yet. Um, and I felt like this was really, like, my last resort. So, like, um, my surgeon, she was very, um, you know, sympathetic towards me. She was, she felt really bad, and she was like, oh, my God, you poor thing. Like, no one should have to go through that. Um, at this point, I only told her about my symptoms. Um, you know, she gave me a hug. She was very understanding. She's, you know... She was very nice about it. But then I told her, you know, what the infectious disease doctor said and what his theory was about how he thinks that my breast implants were making me sick and was the cause of all of my symptoms. And um, this is where things kind of got, like, shaky. Um, She just said that she doesn't agree with him at all, that she has done thousands and thousands of implant surgeries and she's never seen anything like this before. So again, like my thoughts were like coming true. Like these people are not going to believe me. They're not even going to, you know, give it a chance or, you know, even a thought. Um, then we talked about the recall and the recall is obviously at an increased risk for developing lymphoma. And she stated that she thought the recall was annoying because, um, the stats of people actually getting lymphoma were so Mm -hmm. low that, um, people were making a bigger deal about it than it needed to be. Yeah, I mean... Which um, really kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. And when you do look at the, the statistics of the recall... Now I'm going to be put my math hat on. Um, I, I don't know what the exact numbers were, but it was something along the lines of uh, 3% of cases. Something along those lines were dying. She, she stated like 1 in 85,000 people develop the limb so so potentially that that may be it but i i think there's a couple of things that are important to look at one um from a statistical perspective that's one in eighty five thousand that we know about not necessarily indicative of the entire population of people with breast implants who have developed said illness over the course of time right it's at the current moment in this current sample size of self-reported data these are the people who have been diagnosed with it not accounting for 
people who may currently have it and are sitting undiagnosed at home. Um, so I think it's an important thing to keep in mind. And it was frustrating uh, for me to hear that as well, because on the flip side of that, given your family history and the whole reason for why you did the surgery in the first place, no, like these, these need to come out. And, and I understand that the risk may be relatively low, um, but the risk was also somewhat at this point in your life, relatively low to develop breast cancer when you got your um, first mastectomy, mm -hmm. right? It was relatively low at that point in time. Was it relatively low over the course of your life? No, it wasn't. But why now? Right? You, mm -hmm. you can always have that argument of, well, you know, what are the, what are the rates of breast cancer development in BRCA2 positive patients between the ages of 25 and 30? Does anybody even have that data? I don't know. So it was really frustrating for me to hear the one in 85,000. Well, that's great because that's 10 people in the state of Connecticut. And what if I'm that one? Right. You know, and I and refuse to be a statistic. Actually, it's not even 10 people. It's like five people in the state of Connecticut. Going, but either way. Going back to my first podcast, look at my mom. She got diagnosed with a very rare cancer. Right. And I don't Who know what would the, have known. I don't know what the incidence is of that type of cancer in, the, in, you know, the general population. But, you know, she was one. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I don't want to be know. the one. I don't want yes. to be the one. You never know. But again, too, for me, it's that's that data at, at this point. Yes. Is the incidence relatively low from what we know? Yes. But there's still that unknown. But given your family history, given your current state of symptoms, like how do we know that your your symptoms were not a product of having lymphoma? Like we, we, there are so many questions for me and to hear the statistics pushed back against you, like, nah, you shouldn't do this because it's only one in every 85,000. It's like, and imagine saying that to the one mm -hmm. in front of you. It's like, yeah, I understand that the rate is relatively low, but this is, th these are mine and it's, and it's now my decision to make based on it. So, so it was frustrating and, and I can understand from like from again from the same statistical perspective why you were told that like I can understand you know we we want to be minimally invasive and mm -hmm. and there's there's all these other you know every time you have surgery there are other risks associated with it you, know, you can get infections and other complications I understand that but it was frustrating that it didn't I don't know. It was frustrating. Yeah. I'm going to stop talking math now. Yeah. <laughs> so she had ultimately told me that I had three options. Um, one of them is she said that the FDA recommends leaving the implants in, the recalled implants, let me clarify. Um, and if you're not having any symptoms at all, symptoms of the lymphoma include like pain, swelling, um, if you're not having any symptoms of the lymphoma, they recommend to not do any intervention, just to leave them in. And if you do develop symptoms, then you can go ahead and intervene. My second option was to take out the recalled implants and replace them with a different type of implant. Or my third option was to take out the implant and just leave them out completely. Now, in my case, and with my body reacting the way it was, at this point, I was done. 
Like I was done with having surgery. I was done with the implants. I didn't want anything foreign in my body at all. Like I made up my mind right then and there before I even went into that office saying I need these things out and they're staying out. I put my foot down and no one was going to change my mind because I was so sick. I was so tired of not being able to function, not having a life, struggling every day to even get up out of bed. I was done. It was not worth it at all. So, um, you know, after going over those options with me, I, you know, she, she even said like, you know, the only way we will know for sure if this was causing, if the implants were causing this reaction is to take them out and see if my symptoms resolve. There was no one test that we can do to say, oh, these are your implants. So I looked at her and I said with tears in my eyes, I know in my heart and soul that these absolutely could most likely be the culprit of what's causing this to happen to me and I just want my life back and I felt like I had to defend myself in a way and defend how I was feeling um I explained to her that I wanted to go flat. I just wanted them out like I was done. And I was taken aback by her response to me. Uh, Obviously, yes, I was very emotional. But it was almost like she was trying to talk me out of it. Um, saying that, you know, we don't know for sure if the implants are causing this, you know, crazy things happen that we don't know. Um, you know, you don't want to be invasive and, and, you know, you're so young and if you go just flat, um, it's, it's not going to look pretty. Um, she, she said that, you know, you can look deformed after surgery and I was so emotional and I was just so like can we please like please please just tell me you're going to take them out like these things that she was saying to me if I was in a, a right or better state of mind I would probably be very frustrated and more frustrated than I was And I just really didn't appreciate the way she went about describing me being or me choosing to be flat. Yeah. So, I mean, I think from from my perspective, I was extremely upset. Um, I had a few moments where I I didn't even really know what to what to say. because I was at the point where you're consciously making this choice. You understand what the outcome is going to be. We've analyzed the the pros and cons. Like we've gone through this whole thing a hundred times and you're at peace with your decision. 
right? right? Yes, and so I was. At, at that point, I do also understand that like she's trying to counsel you into making the right in air quotes decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, ultimately, it is your decision, right? Um, and and I felt like for a period of time they were trying to change your decision. It's not like you walked into the office and you were like, take out my heart. (laughs) Like, you know, it's it's something where it was a cosmetic thing to begin with. When you had your first mastectomy, you could have opted to not have reconstruction, Mm -hmm. right? And we we didn't choose that because of you were young and and all of the other, you know, body image type things. Um, And so when we got to this point, it was like, look, I don't need these things. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to cause problems or could potentially cause problems in the future, then get rid of them. Right. You know, it's and- not about me anymore. Like I have a child, I have a family. They come first. I need to be there for my child and my family. Yeah. Um, and that and, was, and that, that's me. That, that was my attitude priority. too. Like you need to be able to function. And if these yeah. are causing you, to, to not be able to do that, then they need to go. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because there really is no way to determine are these the culprit until you take them out. Right. I just didn't appreciate... I think she could have maybe went about it or used different wording. Um, yeah, I didn't well, appreciate her saying, you know, you're not going to look pretty. I'm not well, doing this for looks. I'm doing this to get my quality think, of life back. I think one of the biggest things that bothered me was, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but I believe you told me that the words that were used about the recall was that it was annoying. Yes. And that's frustrating to me. Yeah. Because it may be annoying, but keep that to yourself. Right. Like, I understand it may be frustrating because there's a lot of people coming into your office who have these implants because they're getting the notice in the mail and they're worried and they're concerned. And maybe the cause for concern isn't as high, you know, as the FDA sending out a notice to you saying like, hey, by the way, these might cause cancer. Right. Um, but, you know, that that's one of those things I feel like you, go, you can think that you are, you know, but that's not something to given the mind state you were in and everything you had gone through, I don't know if that's a, a word I would have used with you having a conversation with right. you about your implants. Right. And Be- I did not appreciate her using the word deformed. Yeah. I mean, that's another story, but you know, I mean, she's I a plastic, think- she's a plastic surgeon. She lives in the world of perfection. Yeah. And you know, everybody, I think it's important. So I, I was, I let out my math frustration before, um, but you know I think it's important that like she's a person too. She also has her own opinions. She's a very highly educated, highly skilled surgeon. She did a phenomenal job with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I think potentially too a product of a lot of our frustration was the six to seven months prior of you being sick and we were like no just take them out yeah um i think i was just so desperate at that point i I was like i don't care what you have to say just give me a surgery date and let's just get this over and we were even to the point where you're like look if you're not going to take them out then send me me somebody else because you need to come out and and that was going to be my next step if she wasn't going to do it then i was going to find another surgeon to do it yeah. But so, it didn't work out that way. Um, she said, ultimately, 
you know, as my right, as a, as the patient, if I came in, which I did, and I said, I want to take these out, she said that she would do it for me. And she said that, you know, she would take them out for me, but she said down the road, like if you wanted to um, put, um, you know, implants in later, I could do that. Say I took them out and I'm still having the symptoms or not, it's not the implants that are causing it. She gave me the option to either get implants later on down the road if I chose to, or she even told me that she knew a um, highly known um, breast surgeon from Yale um, that does fat grafting, and that procedure is when they liposuction fat from a different part of your body, and they inject it into the breast cavity to to act as breast tissue. So she even gave me that option, but um, which I really appreciated her giving me options. But in my mind and in my head, I already made up my decision and I knew what I was going to do. And she gave me that surgery date and I was like, all right, let's go. So um, I had to wait two weeks before my surgery but, um, you know, it was a tough two weeks, but uh, we're going to wrap up this episode, right? Um, I think that's good for today. Yeah. And um, next episode, we will go into the actual date of the surgery. And um, we'll talk a bit, a little bit more kind of after the surgery. Um, still more to come. Still more. <laughs> the saga continues. Yes. Another, you know, bumpy ride ahead doesn't end here. So um, thank you guys so much for listening in. Thank you again for all of your support, for all of you that are listening. Like, I can't thank you guys enough. Words can't describe how thankful I am for you. Um, So till next time, we will talk to you later. Hopefully it won't be as much of a gap as last time. So... (laughs) Thanks, guys. Later. (laughs) Bye.